Welcome. You're listening to audio from Life Church in Chico, California. We're so glad that you're here. Life Church's mission is simply to connect people to Jesus. You can find out more about our mission and who we are on our website at lifechurchchico.org. All right, let's dive into this week's message. All right. Good morning. Welcome to Life Church. My name is Jeff Young. I'm the lead pastor here at Life Church. I, I just wanted to show you that the 49ers made me a special jersey. <laughs> number, number eight is just a number I like. If you follow the 49ers at all, you know who this is, but uh, I, I think they made it for me. I'm a lefty. You know, I, I'm, I can toss one down the middle. It's fine. Put me in, coach. Anybody uh, watch Napoleon? I'm kind of the crazy uncle. If the coach would have put me in and, you know, back in the day, I, I would have thrown that ball over the mountains, man. <laughs> hey, church can be fun. You know this, right? Uh, any, anybody excited about the Super Bowl today? Yeah, like, this is what I keep getting. That's nah. because the 49ers aren't in it, you know? Doesn't matter if the Bengals didn't make it, the Niners didn't make it, you know? Uh, anybody uh, more excited about the Super Bowl ads? Oh, no. Okay. Whoa. That was. <laughs> Didn't mean to go there. Whoa. The food? The friendship? Yeah? Good. Okay. Nobody cares about what's happening after church. It's only about right now. All right. Can I, can I get an amen on Jesus? Yeah? Anybody a, a cowboy fan in the house? I'm going to throw a flag at you, buddy. You're out. Personal foul. I, uh, that's, that's a penalty flag. This is the review flag, if you don't know, if you don't watch uh, sports anymore. They're allowed to replay and review everything. I cannot stand it. It's so frustrating. Just play the game. Refs are part of the game. I, I, I'm a full believer. But this, for me today, is just in case I need to go back and review something in my sermon that I'll, I'll just kind of re- reverse and rewind and, and replay it with you guys, okay? So I'm, I'm keeping that on hand in case I need to throw it uh, and go back to the very beginning of my sermon. And everybody's like, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. No, now you're all excited about the Super Bowl now that I say that. Hey, um, we are just going to jump right into our sermon uh, called The Boring Life. It's part three of this. Last week, we covered uh, the, the inner disciplines, uh, the things that are really the internal part of our faith. Uh, if you missed that, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. But this, this week, we're going to hit on the outer disciplines. But before we get there, I um, just want to talk and reiterate about this boring life. It's, it's not supposed to be this idea that, hey, Christianity is boring. It's like, whoa, yawn fest, like hit the snooze button a thousand times on my, on my life. It's, it's just this day in and day out disciplined life that isn't exactly all that exciting all the time. And uh, I, I keep on coming back to this picture of the mountaintop experience. Like some of us have had those experiences, including salvation. Salvation should be a moment where you are just like on the mountain with Jesus, where you have this revelation from him that I am saved by your grace. And it is just so amazing that you get to understand just what the Lord has done for me, that while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. And that is a mountaintop experience. And, uh, so we're, we're talking about these things, but what, I, what I've realized is these mountaintop experiences are great. And, and in fact, I, I, I've come to love them every time I come around them and, and I have this moment with the Lord, this revelation. But the reality is you've got to actually climb the mountain to get to be with the Lord and have this moment with him. And then you actually have to come back down. 
And the reality is the preparation to get there is a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of preparedness. It's a lot of like diligent planning. It's a lot of discipline to get up to the mountain. So if you're a mountain climber, you'd understand this. You have to like plan this out. You can't just be like, hey, I've got my water pack. I'm going to go climb this massive mountain. I'll see you in three days. I'll be fine. Right? That never works. You've got to really plan it out, you know, and, and so you have this moment on the mountain and then you actually have to come back down. And, and what I've realized is that the resource is actually in the valley. You can only stay up on the mountaintop so long. You can only, you can only be there for a few moments, you know. In, in fact, in, on Mount Everest, if you get up there, literally people are up there for like 15 minutes. And because if they don't turn around and come back down, they will die. Isn't that wild? The resource is in the valley. Hardship is also in the valley. Plowing and tilling the ground is in the valley. It's, it's not exactly exciting stuff. And so therefore, we're talking about this, this disciplined, boring life of Christianity that, that will build us this solid foundation that lasts a lifetime instead of being broken and, and brittle and or, or built on sand. That, that is a challenge for, for anybody and everybody. So we, we want those mountaintop experiences, but yet we have to understand we've got to trek the mountain and we've also got to come back down into the valley. And so why are we talking about these disciplines? And the very first thing is I want to point out is that if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you're one who says you are a follower of Christ, then you will most likely then be disciplined. You can't be a disciple of Jesus and not be disciplined. You can't just check the box. Oh, yeah, I love Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. I do all the things that Jesus does and talk the talk, but never walk the walk. Last week I said, Jesus cares more about your walk than your talk. Like he wants to, he wants to see you do this. He wants to see you put these things to practice. And, and so there's this thing that, man, disciples are disciplined. So we take this very seriously. We take the word incredibly seriously that, that when I open up the word of God on my own, I have this moment with the Lord where I'm hearing his voice and, and he's bringing revelation into my life. He's bringing me direction. He's bringing me wisdom, whatever it might be. But man, that is a discipline that I've actually got to sit down, park it, open it up and take the time to connect with the Lord. That's a discipline that we've all got to put in. And so if we're ever endeavoring for, for something big in our life, we always have to put these disciplines in place. It just is, it's, a, it's a matter of fact. But yet when, with our walk with Christ, sometimes we, we just think, oh, no, it's fine. Oh, it's fine. And that's the difference between a solid foundation and a, and a foundation built on, on sand. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking about the Super Bowl and thinking about all the NFL athletes that are playing <clears throat> in, the, in the NFL, but also the Super Bowl. And even just thinking these last two weeks, these two teams are preparing to play each other for a couple hours today. And the amount of practice that each and every one of these players has put in is, is innumerable probably in, in hours. I mean, from the time they were a child all the way through Pop Warner to uh, junior high to high school to college to being on the practice squad to, to possibly then getting on special teams, then, then maybe they get a chance to, to be on the offense or defense for a little while, and then maybe they actually get a chance to get a contract and, and stay on board. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of work, of dedication. There's maybe 1% of them who don't really have to do that because they have all the skills the smarts, the abilities, the, the, the tenacity, just to, they don't really need practice, but that's, that's the few and far between. The rest of us, come on, <laughs> who's in the 99 here? Uh, the rest of us, well, not me. 
but, but everybody else, you know. You know, the rest, the rest of us, we've got to, like, take our walk seriously with the Lord. And, and I want to win the Super Bowl of, of life, if you will. I want to win this, this time with Jesus. I want to win this race like Paul calls me to. And, and I want to win this race with, with integrity and, and with a solid foundation that when I go, I might be able to pass that foundation on to my kids and their grandkids in our church and that next church or whatever it might be. I want to just allow the Lord a place to move and to work into the lives that I've been connected with. That's a powerful thing. And so I, I want to look at those players and go, man, well done. Those, like, it's, it's really something to admire. But am I putting the work in with my walk with the Lord that I can do? Nothing's stopping me at all from doing this. That I can put in the work, I can put in the diligence, I can put in these disciplines to actually connect with the Lord on a regular daily basis. So the question, I, the couple of questions I have right, right off, the, off the bat are, are you building your life on a solid foundation? Are you building your life on a solid foundation? Jesus says, anyone who hears these words and puts them into practice. Everybody say practice. practice. Anyone who hears these words and puts them into practice. So I'm going to hear. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about it. I'm going to hopefully, like last week, I'm going to meditate on what he's saying. And then I'm going to allow it to seep into my heart. I'm going to allow it to, to penetrate the walls of my heart. I'm going to allow it to be, my heart to be uh, fertile soil, that, that this, these words will come in. And then I will go and put it into practice. And I will be a wise man. Anybody want to be foolish? No. No? So you don't want to be foolish. So what do you do? You hear the words of Jesus, and you go and you put it into practice. And then you will be wise. And then because of all of that, add it together, and you've got a firm foundation that's unshakable. We're going to sing at the end of, of, of the service today, uh, Build My Life. And it is a perfect, perfect worship song to close on. I, my, my prayer is that you would just all yes and amen and worship your heart out because of it. That you would recognize, man, I want that firm, solid foundation, not one built on sand. Do you want to, are, are you building your life on a weak foundation or a solid foundation? That weak foundation is like a foolish man. And I think the reality is, man, we all want to strive for this. But the challenge of life and what we're going to hit with these outer disciplines is, are we setting up our disciplines to, to lead us or are, we setting, or are we neglecting our disciplines and allowing life to just happen? Don't let life just happen. Don't just, don't just live the, 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 the normal life. Don't just live the quesera. No, you've got to have a dedicated viewpoint of Jesus that's saying, I'm looking at, at you, Lord, and I'm asking you to lead my life. But it takes discipline. And we all love discipline, don't we? Discipline is such a fun word. It's like nobody likes discipline. I don't like to implement it in my own life because my flesh cries out. That's why that prayer and fasting season was fantastic because it broke through the flesh that says, no, you are not going to take control. You have no right. So I'm going to put you in the back seat, buckle up. I, the spirit is leading me. And so there I will walk this out with Jesus together. So last week we talked about the inner disciplines real quick, the four of them that we were meditation, prayer, fasting, and study. So if you missed that, go back and listen to that. Today we're talking about these four outer disciplines, simplicity. I love this so much. 
solitude, submission, and service. The reason the author of uh, Celebration of Discipline calls them the outer disciplines is because these are four things you can actually do right now. They're actionable items. It's tangible. It's something that I can actually do. I, I don't have to wait. I don't have to pray about it and figure out. I don't have to ask Jesus, is that what you want me to do? It is. There's no question about it. It's throughout scripture that I can go do these four things almost immediately. And then I'm gonna be able to really hone in on what the Lord's asking me to do, which is really incredible. So I can simplify, simplify my life right away. I can seek solitude almost at any time if I really need to. Unless you have little kids, then you have to hide in the bathroom. That's totally fine. <laughs> Find your solitude somewhere, man. I, you got to do what you got to do. Go into the garage in the car, like hide in a hiding place, you know, like find your sweet spot. I can submit to the Lord and to one another immediately. And I can always serve. And it doesn't mean like, hey, sign up to go volunteer somewhere. No, no, no. I can serve the people that are around my life by just simply saying, hey, how can I help you? How can I love you? How can I care for you? How can I, how can I be a part of your life? How can, I, how can I make your life better? You ever think about that? Like, how can I just make this person's life better? How can I be an encouragement to all those things? <clears throat> the outer disciplines are more tangible and practical than these inner disciplines that I talked about last week. So open your Bible to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we're going to uh, talk about uh, these two, two verses in here. Luke chapter 6, there's many, many, many examples of Jesus, uh, uh, of Jesus doing all four of these practical outer disciplines. But this in, in particular, I like this, this scenario because it really pretty much sets up all four in, at one time. In two verses, this is your sermon for today, two verses. Can somebody say Amen. Don't say amen to that. I want to read more scripture, all right? Come on. We love the word here, uh, but I, I love this part about what Jesus does here. So here we are, verse six, uh, I'm sorry, chapter six, verse 12 and 13. 12 and 13. It says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. There we go. So here is Jesus. He, he went away. He went away. Jesus' simple life allowed him to seek solitude. So we've got simplicity. Uh, just pause real quick. Think about the context of the culture of the day that Jesus was in. There were no cars. There was no technology. There were no phones. There were, there were no school systems. There were very few governmental regulations. Doesn't that sound nice? Anybody want to go back? <laughs> and just, oh man, there's no TV. I don't have to figure out for 20 minutes what I'm going to watch for the next four hours of my life. None of that. It's just not even an option. So there's already simplicity built in, but being life and being humans, we can make ourselves busy. And so Jesus really simplified his life. I mean, he had his disciples, he had his followers, and he knew what he was doing. He was on mission. So he simplified his life. He didn't make it complicated. 
But Jesus' simple life allowed him to seek solitude. He submitted to the Father, praying and seeking his direction and instruction so that he could go serve him. So this is what we see in this dynamic of just two, two verses right here is, is Jesus getting, out, because of the simplicity, he was able to get out to the mountainside and seek solitude. In his solitude, he found silence. And in that silence, he was able to communicate and talk with the father so that he knew his mission so he could go serve. Because right after that, it says in the morning, he went to his disciples and called them up. And that's his first act of serving, serving the father is by bringing the disciples in and saying, I'm going to go after, the, after your mission with these disciples. So he had silence and solitude on the mountainside. And in the solitude, he was able to listen, pray, and talk to the father. Um, in the simplicity, you know, he didn't need his journal he didn't need his hot cup of coffee. He didn't need the, the Instagram picture of having your Bible out with your little note journal, with your coffee, with your, he didn't have to have it all set up. So cute and holy. Look at me. Wait, no, this is the better side. He didn't, he didn't need any of that. He literally went on a mountainside, probably sat on a rock in the silence of the night sky, and he talked with the Father. Does that not sound refreshing? Does that not sound like what we need the most right now? That I just... is Jesus. This is our example. This is who we're to be like. And yet this instance of solitude and silence is probably the hardest thing that we can come. It might be the, uh, the, <clears throat> the most profound resource we have at our fingertips, but yet never grab hold of. And this is our, this is our opportunity. No, no, I don't, I don't need to, I can pause life. I can, I'm not going to let life dictate to me how I ought to live. I'm going to dictate to life how God wants me to live. So here we have this incredible example. And because of what Jesus did here, he, he went up and he started talking to the Father. And part of his mission and understanding what Jesus was doing in this time frame was he knew he had to bring 12 disciples with him through his mission, through this journey over the next three years. And, and he had already called a couple, but not all. And so he's talking to the father saying, okay, Lord, show me who, who else. Because he had, he had more than 12 followers at this point. And so he, he's like, Lord, help me out here. T tell, tell me who I'm supposed to, to draw in, to invite in. Jesus never did anything apart from the father, just so you know. So he's asking, he's, who do you want me to get? Could you imagine Jesus in the hustle and bustle of life if he didn't set aside this time of, of being with a father where, where all these thousands of people are coming to him for healing and help and, and, and all of the, the deliverance and all of the things. And, and he just starts to go, oh, you know what? You, 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 uh, and you two over there. And uh, I need one more, one more. Anybody, anybody, uh, you over there. Okay, you guys come with me. You're going to be my disciples now. Okay, all right. We're going to go do this thing. Just in haste. Could you imagine Jesus just like, okay, let's do it. But how often do we do life like that? I've just got to figure things out. So I've got to make a decision here and make a decision here. And I've got to make sure that that is right and that is right. And then, and then we'll, we'll get through tomorrow. 
And, and Jesus is like, I'm not going to give way to that. What if he didn't choose Judas? You know? What if he didn't pick some of the, the authors of the Gospels and the Epistles? Wow. Kind of makes you start to think a little bit. But no, he went to the Father. He said, probably he was fine with the first 11. And then the Father said, Judas. And he said, no, no, veto. Not that one. <laughs> Next. And the Father's like, no, Judas, we need him. He's part of the plan. No, mm-mm. Maybe there was a little bit of a back and forth there, reading into it, obviously. But then he goes and he, he collects the disciples and he has them come in and then he goes, hey, here's the 12 that I'm selecting. He didn't allow the chaos of life to predict what he should do. He, he paused everything. He, took a, he didn't take sleep. He took time with the Lord. A whole night into the morning. Anybody? It's pretty dedicated, isn't it? Because we all need our eight hours of beauty sleep. So let's talk about simplicity real quick. We're going to go through four, these four things. In particular, simplicity. Ecclesiastes 7.29 says this, God made man simple. Can I get an amen? Man's complex problems are his own devising. Okay, just pause real quick. This is a heart check. It's like, is my life too complicated? Is my life so chaotic that I can barely get a breath in? Then then what do I need to do to 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 cut it out? Like, what do I need to do to stop it? What do I need to do? What what are the disciplines in my life that I need to? And simplicity is just saying, hey, it's taking all of the things away that are not needed, are not necessary. But we devise our own scheming. We try to do this and we try to do that and we want to be this and we want to be that. So then we, we keep on adding in, adding in, adding in. We do a, a poor job of saying no. And so then we have all of these things and we're spread so thin we can't do anything well. And it harms not only you, but it harms those you're, you, you love. So simplicity, it combats chaos. Simplicity combats chaos. God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. In Romans, it says that God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of peace. And, and so we, we look to the Lord and we look to him to say, why is my life so, so chaotic right now? It might be busy. It might be full. Those are different than being chaotic. So what are the things that the Lord is inviting us to do? We have this deep desire in our life to to have more, to want more, to, to gain this and to gain that and, and to maybe even have a voice here and have a voice there and have a platform there and have this pressure to, to make sure my, my point of view is known by all and because it's the right and only view, right? But simplicity is the antidote to chaos. It's the thing that says, it, it, it begs us to ask this question, what is necessary. What's necessary? And then it, it might even then cause us to go, then, then if it's God, right? Because that's going to be the first answer. What's necessary? The Lord. I'm going to help you. 
It's the Lord, okay? So, so the bare bones, the, the thing that's most necessary is, is my relationship with the Lord. Then, then he, I'm going to gain some understanding and some wisdom of who he's made me to be to, to be able to understand what are the things that are unnecessary or, or what are the, just the desires that I have that God hasn't called me to and to be able to let some things go. When we ask, this is on the board, when we ask this question, it forces us to list that which is actually necessary rather than gratifying our flesh and gaining something to our own life that distracts us from the Lord. That very thing might not actually be evil or bad or wrong, but it could be distracting. And if it's distracting, then I need to really take account and go, is this what God's called me to do or to be part of or to put my heart and my mind to? Because uh, we only have so much bandwidth in our heart and our minds. And, and, and so if, if we're adding things in there that keeps on stretching us, stretching us, stretching us, at some point it will break, it will snap. And that's not the heart of the Lord for us. So what is necessary? God, family, church. I, I, I'm reminded of Jesus' words, seek first the kingdom of heaven and my righteousness. And then all of these things will be added unto you. And then he begins to talk about all the things you're not supposed to worry about. What I'm going to do for tomorrow, how I'm going to eat, what clothes am I going to wear, all the things that are, are practical things that our provider cares for us enough that he will provide those things. So maybe I'm worrying way too much about the small things that I actually need to let go. Or maybe I'm worrying about the big things that, that are just so daunting and overwhelming that it paralyzes me with fear and anxiety. And, and a life of simplicity kind of cuts all that out. It's a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. Solitude. We see Jesus, he goes up on the mountainside and he's alone and he's in the quiet and, and it's a beautiful place and he listens to the Father. And this verse in Ecclesiastes 5, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says this, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen, everybody say listen, rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to, to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Don't bump the person next to you and be like, see, did you hear that? To let your words be few. <laughs> let your words be few. That's, that's some incredible wisdom. Solitude uh, combats noise. Solitude combats noise. Uh, many years ago, I did a series called, I think it was called Cut Out the Noise or Cut the Noise or something like that. And, and it was a whole series based off of like all of the voices, all the loud, blaring things that are in our culture, in our society that, that make us go, oh man, oh, am I okay? Am I doing anything? Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I where? Uh, and it just flips you up and down. It's like you're in a washing machine or a dryer and it's just like constantly noise, 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 noise. You should be a better dad. You should be a better husband. You should be a better mom. You should be a better friend. You should be a better blah. You should be a better dad. And it's just constant noise. But when you get out of that and you seek solitude and go back to Jesus sitting on a rock with the stars out, maybe some sheep bleeding in the, in, in, in the wild, you know, like, and just sit in that presence with the, with the Lord. Again, I think it might be the thing that we are thirsty for most, but don't really know how to do because it makes us nervous. 
It makes us feel weird when it's like too quiet. I've got noise-canceling headphones. They're wonderful for me, but nobody else in our family. <clears throat> but when I put those on, it's just like, it, it, it makes you feel like you're in this bubble and there's a place where you can go where it's just complete silence. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to have this solitude wherever you might be. It might just, again, it might be in the bathroom alone, <laughs> locked door, like, I can hear you, but I'm in solitude. <laughs> I'm in solitary confinement right now. <laughs> Leave me alone. Um, but wherever you might find yourself, you need to find a place that, that gets you into solitude. Maybe even before you go to bed, one of the, one of the commentators said, why don't you just start a practice of just going outside if, it's, if, if you're able to and just listening and being. Not saying, not bringing your words to God, not doing anything, but just, just be in the presence of creation, in the presence of the Almighty God, and, and, and see what happens. But stop trying to fill this void. Whenever there's a lull in conversation, it's okay to be quiet for a few seconds. <clears throat> solitude sets us up for silence. The purpose of solitude and silence is to be able to, he- to see and hear, to see and hear. And I want to see and hear the Lord in my life. That sets up a solid foundation for us. Okay, let's go to submission. This is like our favorite word. This is not a, you need to submit to your authority. It's your senior pastor, you need to submit. No, this is not that. In fact, scripture, I, I, I hear scripture calling us to submit to one another as an, unto the Lord. But we do have a heavenly father, our Lord, our, our master, our creator, who, who we come under in submission to. That I never dictate to the Lord who he should be and how he should be, but I come with a humble heart that says, you are my God. And I, I'm falling at your feet. Again, the, the writer from Ecclesiastes, God is in heaven and I am here on earth. Know your place, know your role, <laughs> right? Take a little bit of a, a, a humility pill real quick. And so we see this in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We, a lot of us know this verse. It's a classic one, but trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, everybody say, Submit. Everybody submit to him, and he will make your path straight. This word submit is just coming under authority. It's, it's, a, it's actually a safe place. It's not a place to go like this or to push back on. It's, it's to come and abide under his authority because it's a safe place. And that's the God I love. That's the God I understand. So we, we come to this place and, and submit. This is where I'd say submission or s- submitting. Submission combats control. Submission is a trust issue. It's a trust challenge. So when I submit under authority, I'm trusting that God is who he says he is, right? Or if I have a boss, I I submit to that boss and I'm trusting that they're going to actually care for me the way that a boss ought to care for me, right? Not take advantage of, but I'm going to come underneath and and submit because I'm I'm an employee. I'm, I'm doing something they're asking me to do to get paid. So I'm coming with that understanding of and humility coming underneath, but but it, it releases control. It's not my way, it's his way. So for those of us who might be control freaks, don't raise your hand, but 70% in the room probably have some challenge with control. 
Um, especially if those of you who have some authority or have, have some clout at your, your job place or, or your position in life, you, you've got a place of authority. And so, so you have this understanding that, hey, I have other people under me, but I also come underneath them and lift them up. So I'm living in this place of submission that, that lets go of control and allows the Lord to do what he needs to do. We as people of God submit to his authority. The discipline of submission is an active way of letting things go, it frees us from the need to get our own way. Jesus' act of submission to the Father led him to the cross. That's a powerful statement. His submission to the Father led him to the cross, freed us all. That one act of submission gave us salvation. Wow, that's powerful. So your act of submission, this discipline of submission actually takes you into a place where you impact other people's lives because of it, because of the way you live, the the way you care for others. By Jesus doing that and taking the cross, it gave us this new standard of trusting and submitting the Lord which I would love to invite you to step into more and more today. Finally, service. Jesus has a lot to say on this, but two in particular verses. He says this, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. So he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. Let alone the fact that he gave his life away as a ransom for many, but he came and he served. That's a perfect example of of what we ought to do for one another. He then goes on and he also says this, whoever wants to be great among you must be servant of all. Servant of all. So question, are you a servant of all? It's a like uh, some, maybe a, a couple, but not many. You know, walking out this life the Christian life is, is a humbling one. It's one of laying your life down. And serving is just like, I, I could care less about my title. I could care less about how many years I've been doing this. If I need to come help somebody, I'm going to help them and I'm going to serve because Jesus did it first. And he is my example. So I'm, I'm going to go do that. Uh, serving or service combats insignificance. Uh, we were with quite a few leaders the other night, and I asked the question, what, and I didn't even think about tying it into the sermon until today, actually. I asked the question, what, what, what makes you feel significant? So we were in kind of groups and talking through this, and what, what makes you feel significant? It might be something to consider for yourself. And it's funny because there's a lot of leaders in here. There's a lot of people who have influence. There's a lot of people who have incredible jobs and, and are, are successful in their, in their life. And... and uh, <clears throat> It wasn't their degrees, it wasn't their businesses, it wasn't their um, accomplishments. Their significance, almost all of them came back with some form of, it's because I had an impact in somebody's life. It's because I like, used the gifts that God gave me, and I served the Lord by serving others. And that brought incredible significance in our life. So 
when you feel insignificant, when you feel like you have nothing to give or nothing to offer or you're not equipped enough or you're not smart enough or whatever, those are lies from the enemy. And you step into serving somebody else and you'll plow through all that in the name of Jesus and you'll walk away giving away and gaining more. And then that's the opposite, that's the kingdom opposite. This is an amazing thing that happens. When I, when, I, when I step through that, I step through the fear, I step through the lies, and I, in Jesus' name, he, he propels me through this. And as I do all of that and I, and I step into a place of service, I step into the shoes of Jesus who served us. And then I go, wow, I never knew. And there's a place of fulfillment there that goes beyond this life. When uh, uh, our, our pastor back in Santa Cruz, he would say this, he says, the greatness of any leadership role always comes through the servant quarters. Always comes through the servant quarters. Want to be great? Serve. You want to be amazing? You want to have significance? You want to have an impact? Serve. In all the small ways. In all the ways. As we lay ourselves down in submission to the Lord, we become more aware of the million ways that the Lord can use us in his service. And there's nothing more profound than that, to be used by the Lord, to go, you just used me, God? What? This guy? Come on. And, and that is something that's, uh, that's addicting. That's a great addiction. Lord, however you want to use me. Um, Pastor Chris says it. He'll say, I'm the spare change in your pockets. Use me how you want. What an amazing statement from a man who has served far longer than I have. Just be used by the Lord in incredible ways. I'm going to have the worship team come on up. They're going to come up. They're going to close us in that song like I I prefaced, uh, build my life. And it just goes so perfect with building our life on the solid foundation. Friends, I, I, I hope this is a sermon that causes you to consider, causes you to dig deep, causes you to think through, causes you to walk away asking some more questions of yourself and your relationship with the Lord. And maybe where you're at is not as far as you want to be, but you got to start where you are. Meet Jesus where you're at, and he will walk you all the way through to the stages that you want to be at. Don't expect to just end up here without having the Lord walk you through the things he wants you to walk through. Be patient and diligent through the discipline of life that, that he uses in an incredible way to mold and shape you and to, to, like, to wash off some things that need to be washed off, to, to, to break down the scales of our eyes, to soften up our hearts, to teach us a few things along the way. That's, a, that's again, it's a place of humility. Let's stand together. I didn't have to throw the red flag can somebody say amen about that? <laughs> it's not too late, all right? So let's review real quick. Simplicity combats chaos. Simplicity combats chaos. If you are living a chaotic life, this is something to consider. Solitude combats the noise. If you've got thousands of voices and thousands of things around you going in and out and all the time, and you are feeling this burden of society in the world, solitude might be the very thing that you need most. Submission combats control. 
for those who are grabbing onto all the things and making sure it fits and works and does all the things that it's supposed to do. And I, I, (laughs) you're going to break or you're going to explode one or the other. But submission is laying it at the feet of Jesus and saying, I trust you. The battle's control. So maybe that's what you need to lay down today as we worship. And then finally, service combats insignificance. If you have been feeling insignificant, this place where you feel like nobody loves me, nobody needs me, what's the point of this life? That is a lie from the pit of hell. But a way to break it is serving. A way to break it is get involved and be together with somebody else who goes, (laughs) I've totally been there. Let's walk together. And the Lord does these things in incredible, mighty ways. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. And we say, we, we have, you have our hearts, Lord. We invite you to simplify our life. We invite you to uh, help us understand what it means to be in solitude. And we submit our hearts to you. And Lord, we open our hands to serve you. So when we worship, Lord when we lift up our voice, when we raise our hands, when we open our hearts to you as we worship, Lord, I pray that you do a profound thing in our lives today. Whatever it is you need to speak to, whatever it is you need to remove, whatever it is you need to unfold, whatever it is you need to break, I pray you do it, Jesus. That you just have your way in your name. Amen.
praise you, God, and I pray that as we we leave this place today, Lord, that we would continue to seek after you, Lord, that we would continue to find you in the boring things of life, Lord, that we would find you in um, the mundane, Lord, because you are with us always. And God, we just thank you, God, for the solid foundation. God, that even when the storms of life come, that we will not be shaken. We will not be swept away, Lord, but we will stand firm because you are with us, God. So lead us today as we leave this place, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. If you need prayer for anything, feel free to come forward. Otherwise, have a great day, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening today. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Life Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. here in Chico, California. You can also listen to us online during our 9 a.m. live stream. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, so please visit our website, lifechurchchico.org.